Okay. So it's uh, Marta Silvestrova. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Uh, you are a graduate of Masaryk University, where you studied art history and history. And you've worked as a curator of the graphic design collection at the Morovian Gallery in Brno since 1986. Yes, that's it. And you've been involved in organizing all sorts of uh Bruno Biennales over the year. I was member of the organization committee. So we're here today to talk about you. You've also I should mention you've written uh, or edited or curated various exhibitions, poster exhibitions, including political posters in Central and Eastern Europe, 1945 to 1995. Uh, this catalog was published by Manchester University. Yes, I uh, curated it together with uh, James Ogley, senior lecturer at the Manchester University, who was leader of the project. Okay. But what we're here to talk today primarily about is this magnificent book, big beautiful book, called Czech Film Posters of the 20th Century. And who was who published that one? It was published by the Moravian Gallery where I work. And specifically you wrote an article in here about uh, Czech posters, movie posters, post-1945. So I want to look at that. But first of all, welcome to the Bibliophile. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Now, can you tell me about the Bruno Biennale? What is that? This is one of the oldest uh, event, uh, which repeats every second year. And the founder was uh, Bruno artist and painter Jan Reilich, uh, who founded it in 1963, together with the director of the Moravian Gallery, Jiří Hlušička. So this event uh, lasted till 2018, uh, when it was closed. It was closed? Yeah, it's uh, not continuing. Why? <clears throat> uh, there are various reasons and uh, Budget? better to ask uh, our director, Jan Press, and curator-in-chief, uh, Andrzej Chrobak. Budget was one of the reasons. Should clarify. This is a. Uh, it was a Biennale celebrating graphic design, correct? Yeah. There were two teams which uh, repeated uh, after a four-year period. Book design was one team, and it was replaced after two years with poster design nice. and advertising graphics. And uh, in nineteen ten new generation of graphic designers uh, stopped 
this variation and um, included all items into uh, the event, into this competition. I this see. competition was uh, accompanied with a lot of uh, events, other thematic exhibitions, and it was like a festival of graphic design, uh, which lasted from June until the end of October. Uh, it was so long because it was visited uh, well visited by <coughs> graphic design schools. They begin in September, so the holidays was uh, that period yeah. for visitors, and that's that's why the biennial was prolonged until the end of uh, October. It sounds crazy that they would stop that. Just budget, primarily, was it? I mean, I don't want to push it. No, but. Not, not only budget, but uh, an effort of world, world graphic designers. Uh, the web page is is called uh, Continue No Biennial, and there are about three thousand signatures under this uh, petition. Yes, it sounds very political. <laughs> uh, and although, yeah, we're not here to talk about political posters, but I've just been leafing through this book of yours, this catalog, and it's it's extraordinary. It's like full of very very striking uh, images of uh, of posters. Uh. These uh, images are selected from different archives. Uh, and poster collections, state collections, private collections in, yes. in Eastern Bloc. These are communist. This is um, this book is analyzing the manipulation of communist propaganda uh, with the people. We selected uh, similar images uh, from different countries showing that the system was the same in all these satellite uh, countries, but uh, the example or the, the leader was a propaganda house in Moscow called uh, Visual Agitation System. Agitation? Visual Agitation. Agitation or education? Agitation. Nagliadnaya agitacia in Russian. Nazorna agitacia in Czech. I see, okay. And again, it was communist propaganda and just showing the different ways that it was. Uh, of course, there are also anti communist posters because yes. uh, we, we talk about. Uh, 1968 in Czech Republic and Solidarity Movement in and so on. Yes. And, and then there are posters from 1989. Yes, I see. And okay. following years. Okay. Well, why don't I just, I'm going to quote from one of the articles in uh, Czech film posters of the 20th century. What it does is it gives us a a definition of 
Yeah, I'll just read this out of posters here. It's, uh, uh, first of all, it's not a good, this is uh, Carol Tabery. Carol Tabery. Carol Tabery. And again, I guess he's a scholar and uh, a poster. He is uh, professor. Right. Uh, at the university. I see. He's saying, I think this is him saying it here, is it's not a good thing that the importance of cinema posters in this country is underestimated. Each prospective viewer sees a poster before a film, and therefore the artistic level of a poster should have a potential to win an audience. A poster is in fact an invitation ideologically corresponding I have in mind foreign posters as our posters generally do not contain any ideas, our posters, with a film and accentuating its value. So, a modern poster is meant to capture the audience through its color, layout and technical execution in which it matches other kinds of posters. Yet it differs in one crucial requirement a modern poster has to induce the maximum effect in the minimum time. Developing this maxim, we arrive at the basic principles characterizing the modern poster. And he's got four of them, and I'll read them out. The choice of colors. Colors sh should work at long range. However, this objective does not justify posters resembling gaudy fairground announcements. The color effect is enhanced through the use of appropriately matching colors or through adequate enlargement of the color area. Number two, the composition of a poster is dictated by the minimum time, quote unquote, requirement mentioned above. A poster should not feature many details in order not to divide the onlooker's attention. Individual artists enrich the composition through various means such as simplified outlines, concentrated drawings, etc. Number three, not too much text. A text should only accompany a poster's idea and might possibly prove completely unnecessary. And finally, an original idea for the poster. This is the cornerstone of each poster. Varying according to the artist's ability, the theme of a film, or even after the taste of the audience. It is the key to the success of a poster, and at the same time, it's most difficult component. You agree with all that? Uh, yes, <clears throat> but um, he he talks about pre-war period, I think. Yes, this is uh, pre-war, but it, uh, he does say these yeah, are this, uh, modern poster uh, principles. Principles, yes. There was um, this period in post-war film industry was nationalized then um, 1948 48 uh, yeah 1948 but there was uh, in between period when still advertising agencies 
existed, but uh, after 1948, everything was nationalized. Uh, the private firms uh, cannot uh, provide their services. And the, uh, concerning the artists, um, the advertising agencies had to transform in, into a new, new form of work. Uh, they founded uh, artist cooperatives and everything was censored and controlled uh, by the state system. So all the film industry promotion was centralized under one office, which was called Central Film Office, okay. who distributed the work. And this system brought, in paradox, yes. artistic freedom to uh, poster designers because they didn't need to include all the names of film producers. There were no sponsors. The, there was only one sponsor and it was State. They didn't have to have logos. Yeah, logos or, or all the names. That's, that's why when you look at these posters from post-war period, there is sometimes only film director and title of the film. Or sometimes there is a film star. But now, uh, or in, in the Western industry, uh, poster must sell the film and it didn't exist under these conditions because we didn't have a trade market. We had, a, how to call it, nationalized system of socialism. They didn't have to make a profit. And there were uh, another priorities, for instance, uh, when um, Soviet films were produced, the promoters were afraid if enough uh, visitors will come and so on. So they did need to attract an audience then. I mean, they wanted it to be seen by lots of people. Mm. It is kind of a paradox, isn't there, it? After 1968, uh, there was uh, such situation that uh, people didn't attend Soviet films at all. And uh, Hmm. Graphic designers refused to design uh, Soviet uh, film posters. But uh, with the process of normalization, everything uh, returned to, to the old fashion. Yeah, now we should say normalization is basically getting back to the Soviet system after, after they yeah, kind of... this is period of 70s and 80s. Yeah, yeah. Would you say the heyday, the best time for posters, Czech posters, was the 60s? Yes, because uh, the most talented designers were involved in uh, poster production at the time. And who might they have been? Zdeněk Sigler. Is he still alive, by the way? He died recently. Uh, yeah. Two weeks ago, I think. Oh, goodness. Okay, because I noticed his stuff and it's really good. Sorry, and who else were you saying? Uh, Kaya Saudek, who, who did comics posters. Karel Tysik, 
Milan Grigar and so on. Many, yeah. There are many names yes, of, okay. of those uh, designers. And uh, after 1968, some of them uh, immigrated abroad. Some were stopped from official uh, official work because uh, they refused uh, to enter the newly established uh, structure of Czechoslovak uh, Union of Artists okay. who was uh, transformed uh, to avoid those who, who were involved in Prague Spring uh, to, to ban them from their work. So the 60s were sort of the high mark. What's interesting is uh, that you say that, uh, well, if the United, if the American um, posters, if it hadn't been for the communist system, then the Czech uh, designers maybe would have just accepted all of the American posters and changed a little bit. But it's because of communism that we have all of these fantastic posters because they had they had to redo the whole thing for a Czech audience right otherwise they might just have used the graphics that the Americans used otherwise yeah but they didn't accept the system here didn't accept the author's law and uh, the foreign distributors uh, didn't insist on the same graphics on the same media yeah. promotion by the same media so like in poland or here the promotion agency uh, produced uh, czech posters done by czech designers for uh, czech czechoslovak as well for foreign films yeah and uh, often the czech designer didn't have a clue about what the film was about. So the poster often doesn't have anything to do with the film, right? With the state <laughs> production, they had to produce poster according to plan, maybe year before year before the film came to the distribution. So sometimes they received only the text, yeah. the content, and sometimes uh, some photographs from the film and uh, it was on their own fantasy yes what they produced also at the time we talk about applied graphics not about graphic design applied graphics was considered here an art so yeah. there were competitions like the no biennial uh, where commissions observed uh, artistic level of uh, of these promotion items and it was uh, part of the communist uh, propaganda be, that um, the ideologists wanted to educate the people with with the art yeah i'm not sure quite how they would have done that like they were you make a fascinating point about uh, Citizen Kane being like the last quality American film that was allowed in by the censors. 
uh, in check at the, toward the end of the 1940s. But I'm not sure uh, how the Soviets could get their message of what that capitalism is bad through the artists who are making the film posters. How'd they do that? Sorry? Well, you said that, that they wanted to get their Soviet ideology communicated through these posters or not? No, these, was po these were political posters. No, I'm talking about the film posters. Film posters was a different world. Everyone uh, wished to work in, in this field of applied graphics. Because, it because was there was le relative, relatively uh, artistic freedom. freedom. Which is very ironic, isn't it? It's yeah, ironic. Yeah, it is. And um, uh, also these people in in the film office, they organized during film festivals uh, and exhibitions of film posters and when Czech, uh, Czech uh, posters received some awards in Chicago or Los Angeles or Cannes, uh, it was good for them. They, yeah. they received, they accepted it as a success of uh, our Czechoslovak business. Yes, okay. But the idea is still always to attract an audience. That That's the goal. Yeah, and, the, and it worked very well because the audience was very attracted. They came to the promotion offices and they collected these posters, these artistic posters. There were a lot of collectors. And it was uh, simply easy because these posters were produced in two sizes, A1 and A3. And A3 size, which was devoted and produced for film boxes. They were film kind of windows. narrow, right? Narrow and... It was 40 by 30. Okay. And what was the A1? How big was that? It was 86 by 58. It was for outside. A3 was for for interior, for uh, cinema interiors. And it was easy collectible item. And uh, these were really a piece of... pieces of art. Yes, of course, I suppose uh, any artist, graphic artist, is going to love basically carte blanche. They can do whatever they want and there's no what. I mean, there's still censorship though, isn't there? Like they, they can't do anything they want, doesn't the There was uh, censorship and uh, author's censorship because the authors knew very well uh, what is not uh, acceptable for the commissions. For instance, Milan Grigar spoke uh, about having problems with his black and white posters, which were not enough optimistic for the censors. Or uh, Antonin Sladek talked that 
he knew that what is forbidden were American flag or symbols of American business, like for instance uh, dollar, dollars. Signs, dollar couldn't, signs, yeah. Could, couldn't appear in poster designs. Zdeněk Sigler once did it and he had troubles with that. So Sladek said uh, when, because they had to make uh, for the commission three, three, three designs and one, one was selected. So when he didn't like one of his designs, he put their American flag and he knew, <laughs> and he knew that this he rejected. rejected. <laughs> so, so they knew well how to work with the system. I see. Okay. So the reason that, that these are so great, you're, you're suggesting, is that there wasn't this imperative to mm, attract attention to, for people to come in and watch the movie. It was just, they could just make art. It was like an invitation to the cinema. But they could do whatever they want with, with sure, the art. Sure, they didn't need to put their photos of the celebrities, they could simply use their graphic abilities to create a piece of art. So that uh, evil capitalism doesn't raise its head then in influencing them. <laughs> and uh, it, it ended uh, after 1992 when the film Union was uh, Československá ústřední půjčovna filmu. Czech Film Industry Office was uh, resolved. Yeah. And uh, individual distributors came here with uh, the movies and brought their own pro promoting material. Yeah. material. Yeah. Where only the title was ch changed. Yes, yes, exactly. And some, sometimes even not that some movies go there under original English titles. Okay. Now, uh, we talked about the fact that a lot of these poster designers were also book jacket designers as well. That was a big, that was a big part of what they did as well. They were graphicers. And some of them, they did illustration, or they designed uh, books. They did uh, book layout, yeah. book covers. Who were who were some of those? Some of those were typographers. Like names. I know uh, Zdeněk Ziegler, for instance. He designed books as well as these posters, film posters. Some of them were involved in political propaganda, but uh, artists like Milan Grigar, they would never accept such work, political. One of the things I, uh, I've been trying to get a, a handle on is where do you find these things? I want to collect them. Can you still collect them or are they all in museums? Where do you get them? You still can collect them, but uh, it's becoming more and more difficult. You can find them in antique shops or on Aukro. 
What's that? It's a digital platform where people sell everything. And what's, how do you spell that? A? A U K R O. Comma CZ. So that's like Czech uh, eBay? That's Czech eBay. Um, and there are, there are a lot, a lot of uh, film posters, mainly those of A3 format. And who's those the... which became icon, iconic uh, images, these are already very expensive. Like and Aukro is like auction, so it goes high when you want to get those. And how much do the expensive ones go for? Like the iconic ones, how much do they cost, roughly? A1 uh, format, uh, for instance, uh, Tender One, for Bresson Film, Bresson's Film, uh, which received award at Cannes. Yeah. Uh, this goes for 8,000 or 9,000. Crowns. Crowns, which is more than $1,000. Yeah. I've seen the, the there is a bit of a range just uh, so who's you who do you think are the best designers <laughs> Sorry? who do you think are the best like who would you if you were in my shoot now of course it's taste and you got to buy what you like and love that's what you've got to do but who do you think are the really the best ones Zdenek Ziegler, Karel Tysik. Okay. These you've mentioned them already. These, yeah. mm, these are my favorite okay. uh, artists or Milan Grigara. And again, the best place to get these is but, but the most beloved poster is uh, the tender one. It was done by Olga Polachkova Vileteva. Okay. But recently we discovered that she was inspired by a famous photograph. I forgot the name of the designer, but it was um, advertising a pho photograph of a New York photographer for Cartier. Oh, yes, okay. Jewel. Yeah, it was probably in uh, Harper's Bazaar or Vanity Fair or somewhere like that, I would guess. I can send you yeah. the name later. Okay. And the image. Okay. So what you're saying then is that uh, the best ones you think are the ones that don't have this Im capitalist imperative, this imperative to attract audiences. Those are the best, you think, because they're free artistic expression. I, I wouldn't say say to attract the audience because also these... They were designed uh, to, right? These, yeah. these also have to attract the audience. I would say uh, they don't have uh, the imperative to sell the film. They don't need to sell the film, these posters. No, but that's the same thing. It's the same thing. By sell the film, what do you mean? Uh, that there should be uh, a big profit of entrance fee. 
which means for audience. Film, film, produ film production, but uh, during socialism or communism, uh, the fee was so low here, sometimes two crowns afternoon performance, and that uh, this was no effect and uh, it it uh, didn't mean that um, they they will not have enough money to buy a new films if they don't have enough high profit yes i see yeah that's they right sometimes in the in this book you will see i put two dates on the posters date when the film was produced and and sometimes there was period of six years when we got the film here into the distribution they were waiting uh, when the costs were lower and sometimes there were ideological reasons why they didn't buy the films for distribution or the distribution was very limited some artistic films were produced only in art cinemas right not in the f uh, cinemas for mass mass audience it's a comment about uh, i think it was citizen kane poster where the orson welles character is sort of looking out of the picture out of the poster and you are one of the other writers in the book comments about how that brings the viewer into the poster because uh, the reason I'm mentioning that is I'm just wondering what techniques were most common in these posters like were there what well, yeah it was uh, collage for check poster the most typical technique was collage but uh, in the second half of the 60s and during 70s uh, surrealism was uh, popular it was uh, connected with the return of art nouveau influence and psychedelic posters yes but psychedelia was not uh, much accepted here Designers did, didn't use it very often, hmm. but uh, surrealism was very popular. Hmm. It was called magical realism. It was used by Josef Vileťal, Josef Vileťal, Josef Vileťal or Zdeněk Vlach. They produced surrealist posters. But in the 60s, collage was the most popular uh, technique. On the difference uh, with Polish uh, posters, where painting prevailed. Why is that? Sorry? Why? I don't know. Uh, it was uh, taught at the Art Academy in Warsaw, poster, at the painting courses. So, painted posters were very popular in Poland. For instance, those uh, made by František Starovějský. Hmm. One thing that annoyed me that I learned from your book is that the communist 
destroyed the archives of printers and film producers after 1945. Yes, uh, it happened during uh, the system of nationalization. Which means they destroyed a bunch of posters, I guess. Yes, but uh, there were some collectors already who, who saved a lot of those posters. One of them is uh, Philip Master called Wolf. Sorry. One one of them is Wolf. I forgot his name. Okay. What about this this uh, Philip Masheter? Uh, Philip Masheter is a British collector. He owned film shop near the British Museum. When I was in London, I visited his shop, but it became for him very expensive to keep it. And uh, he married a Czech girl and he moved with her to live here. So he, he collects posters and sell them through eBay. Um, just winding down here, I, I want to get to the Citizen Kane thing here again. It was the late 40s, and here's what, what you say, or you say that it was one of the last quality U.S. films that the Czech public could appreciate before the onset of an ideological program of social realism in the late 1940s. So what was, what was that social realism program? It was forced, forced program forced through communist ideologists and uh, according to Soviet social realism. And can you describe that? Uh, those were painted posters with uh, ideological subjects, mainly. Also, the, the films during the like 50s in the cinemas were mainly these ideological and construction films. And what were they? Like uh, Red Light over Kladno about uh, miners or new fighters uh, will appear and so on uh, made by ideological scenarios that doesn't fit with this artistic freedom of it the came 19th. in the 60s this artistic freedom i see so it was late 40s and 50s was the social realism and then it was replaced by this at the end of fifties uh, after Brussels Expo oh, yes. Expo in Brussels. Yes. Okay. Well, just finally, then uh, I want to quickly. I just want to return to Bernau's Biennale. This this graphic design Biennale. It sounds terrific. It, it just. It sounds terrific, and so maybe you could just say, in closing, how you feel about it. Don't want it? No. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, it's very difficult to, to explain. Okay. Uh, 
but I I agree with the decision of of the leadership of the gallery who decided to stop this because uh, first there was a small team of the gallery people who usually me for instance I have my own projects but right. for for half a year I had to stop and work on this event which is in fact a salon you distribute uh, around the world the invitation and then you receive a lot of items and you select the best but it's uh, not uh, sure that these are best, best posters what audience uh, is then allowed to see because uh, each member of the pre-selection jury has another opinion for instance uh, for me not only form of the poster is important I like posters with messages ecological one ones and so on and uh, these juries uh, consisted of uh, graphic designers who watched uh, only the form and the form which they own produce they rejected for instance Japanese style or Iranian style I made a wonderful exhibition in Jerusalem of Iranian posters but during the last 10 years no one from Iran was accepted for the biennial I don't agree with this so it created a lot, a lot of uh, bad mood among designers who usually in the past were sending posters here and we could follow they follow for decades their style and suddenly they were rejected and these were uh, big names of graphic design like Kazuma Sanagai who won here Grand Prix and suddenly his posters were rejected by this new generation of graphic designers for who he was too old and they said we don't need to see this again and again uh, so so this salon is uh, complicated I prefer doing my own projects to select the item which I want to research and discover what is behind this theme and doing the Biennale I lost half of year with organization work because I was responsible for editing the catalog and so on and it's the same with other members of the gallery who who had to left their own projects and work on this event also we are a gallery who collects uh, uh, that have to collect memories items of uh, people's culture and um, putting part of our budget to this expensive event yeah. inviting people from all the world paying their flying tickets which, which are uh, going higher and higher we, we lose part of our budget which we could devote to buying 
and items which will increase quality of our collections. So our leadership decided to stop and they said let's graphic designers are applying for grants and according to money they collect they can do that event. They will have the limit of the money that they will collect. Mm-hmm. But but here the members of organizing committees, the external members, they came with ideas and the gallery had to pay everything. When I wanted to produce Czech film poster book, I had to apply for European grant. The gallery would never give me that much money to produce such a huge book, which was uh, very expensive. And I considered it as a book for decades because it collects uh, the whole history. And it can be in gallery shop for many years, for for different uh, generations. And nobody, nobody uh, buys uh, now the old biennial catalogs. Well, that was a good answer. Was it? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it's a great book, too, I must say. I I just love this book. And again, it's called uh, Czech Film Posters of the 20th Century. I don't know, though. I mean, putting it in my luggage, if I do put it in my luggage, it's going to put me over the weight uh, limit. But it's... It's four kilo. Sorry? Four kilogram. Four kilograms. Yeah, it's... Uh, but it's fabulous. And uh, thank you so much for talking. The, the designer is Petr Babak. And he had to select such a big size because... He worked with uh, these labels, which resemble posters. Yes, at the and, bottom. And also the film, the film strips. Yes. When it goes like this, it goes like film, and in the one by one, they are posters. <laughs> That's right. They're black and white uh, little poster-shaped uh, labels, as you say, for the color images of these fabulous posters uh, that run across the bottom of the page. Uh, But uh, again, it's just such a great, great book. And uh, thank you so much for uh, explaining it and uh, and describing it and uh, talking about your important work with me today. Thank you so much. Thank you for your interest. And I've been speaking with uh, Marta Silva Strova, who is the curator of the graphic design collection at the Moravian Gallery in the Brno, Czech Republic. And that's exactly where we are today in her office. And I'll take a few photographs of that office too and post them. Thanks so much again. Thank you for coming. Okay, so shall we go for lunch? Sure. If you're if you're up for it. <laughs>